Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. This episode is about children. It's specifically about what a child-centered divorce is. And we have one of the best people we could possibly have on the program to discuss this. We have Rosalind Sadaka. She is a certified divorce coach and more. She is the voice of child-centered divorce. She has a radio show. She's divorced. She's a divorce and co-parenting coach, and she's the founder of the Child Centered Divorce Network. And that harkens back to uh, Rosalind has a, a a radio show and an author. We didn't talk about this when I was a guest on your show. Uh, Rosalind is an author of How Do I Tell the Kids About the Divorce, which I think is so important. And we will absolutely get to this. So first of all, welcome, Rosalind. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you today. Yeah, this is going to be great. I love episodes on children of divorce. So let's just start with what does it mean, Rosalind, to be child-centered? Oh, great question to start. So that means with all the decisions and all the craziness that goes on when someone is is contemplating divorce and going through divorce, sometimes it's easy for the kids to fall through the cracks. And we just forget that these are human beings, regardless of their age, who are very sensitive to a shattering of the foundation of their life, so to speak, when when parents are splitting up. They don't understand it. They are not responsible in any way for the breakup. And yet they feel a sense of responsibility and trying to fix it, which of course they can't. And so being child-centered means you're really putting your innocent children at the forefront of every decision you make. Because if you were divorcing without children, no matter what chaos takes place in, in the process, when the divorce ends, it ends and you could go your separate ways. But when you're a parent, the at the post-divorce experience is the rest of your life. Hopefully it's co-parenting successfully together, but it's a, it's a process that's so important for you to understand and your children are watching and learning from you. So the more child-centered both parents are, the better the process is going to be for the children before, during, and long, long after the divorce. Excellent explanation. Now, here's what I ask every single person who works with children or is a co-parenting coach, just works with adults. Rosalind, how do you get from being a spouse in emotional turmoil, trying to make sense of the transition out of the marriage and dealing with your own grief stages how is it possible to put anything in front of yourself? as a parent in peril? I like that question. And the answer is this, put yourself in your child's shoes and try to experience it from their perspective. And then your heart opens and you realize that you have to be aware of what it's like for them, whether they're three or nine or 16 and whatever age, the process and the experience is going to be challenging, questionable, confusing, heartbreaking, hurtful, frightening. 
And so we want to make sure that our children, regardless of what's going on in our lives, if you could just understand, we know how we got into this place on some level. For the children, it's a totally different experience. Their brains are not fully mature until mid-20s. And so they can't digest and comprehend relationship issues from adult from an adult perspective as, as we understand it. And so they're com- confused and dumbfounded by, by the experience, and they're very frightened. The most important thing is to remember that security is is primary at this time for children because the foundation of their life is just being torn asunder. They don't know what the future is going to bring. They may or may not understand even what divorce means, but they know that something has changed in the fabric of their family life. And it's very important for us as parents to be reassuring, to calm them, to let them know that while things may seem very confusing at the moment, life is going to get better because we are working on making life better. Both of your parents are working on it together because we love you and you're important to us. And as parents, we owe our children that. We we owe them the ability to make their life better, even if we can't make our own lives better. And so there are ways of supporting them, things to tell them, and ways of approaching this that are better and not so good. And what we're trying to do is give you insights and tips to help make the better decisions, take better actions, have better conversations with your children, so that we minimize emotional and psychological uh, turmoil in their lives. Okay, now with that, and, I, and, and we will definitely go after this question to how to tell children, because I thought that was great on your website, but I, I don't want to leave this point without, uh, without addressing this, and that is you have two two realities going on at the same time in the same family. You have the reality of the children grappling with the fact that this is going to be a changed environment. There are going to be two homes. We are not going to come home from school and have dinner with both of our parents. Okay, so that's one reality. The other reality is parents are in emotional peril. Parents have needs, along with addressing their children's needs. Can we just take a second and talk about how parents can help themselves deal with the emotions of the divorce while they're trying to be child-centered? Any tips on that? Well, the, the good news is no one's divorce is the only divorce. We're living in a time when divorce is, is very common. And so you're not the first one to go through this experience. Reach out to a divorce professional, to a therapist, to a divorce coach, to, to a mediator, to someone who, who specializes in the d- reality of divorce today and get support because there's a lot of support available. You don't have to go through this alone and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are pathways, there are strategies, there are steps to take that are smarter to save you money, to save you time, to save you stress and aggravation, to help protect your children, et cetera, et cetera. So reach out to professionals every step of the way because you're going to be in good hands and you're going to avoid a ton of mistakes that you might have made had you not been forewarned if, if you weren't advised. 
and make sure that any professional you work with is child-centered. That's the key. If you open a website page on divorce, looking for a divorce attorney, for example, and it says, we will kill the, your, your ex. We will take them to the cleaners. We will make sure that you win the case. You want to shut that page and, and move elsewhere because when you're divorcing with children, there's no, there should be no win and lose. You have two parents who hopefully love those children, want the best for those children. And there are ways where both parents can be honored and acknowledged and, and the children can have access to those parents and the future can, can be for the, from the child's perspective, simplified and, and brighter and happier. And it is better for, for both parents when they're co-parenting to do this too, to take steps that are, that are smart and child oriented for everyone in the family. So that's, that's the primary advice is, is seek out professionals who are orienting in a family way, who understand that you love your kids and want to protect them and they can help you do it in the best possible way. And you brought up an excellent point within all of that. And that is something an attorney said recently on another interview. And that was, if you are married to a bully, if you are married to a high conflict person, do not get an attorney who's also a bully or a high conflict person, because now you're sandwiched between a a, a high conflict bullying attorney, yours, and your high conflict bullying spouse. You don't stand a chance. You get eaten alive by all of this really rough energy. And not only you, but your kids, the, the kids yeah. fall through the cracks. Because their well-being is not being the primary focus. And it's so easy, especially since our kids aren't vocal, for the kids to pay the price for the divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so such great information on that. Now, let's go to how to tell the children. You have an excellent, what is it, five or six points on your website uh, and I'd like you to go through those. And also, when you're going through that, please address, do the children really need to know about why the divorce is taking place? You always want to speak in age-appropriate language. Children do not understand the complexities of adult relationships. Even older teenagers don't. They can't. They haven't been through it. They don't understand a marriage that went askew. And so you, you want to speak to your children, not only according to their age, but, but the rule is in general, if your kids can't fix, fix a situation, they shouldn't be privy to adult information about it. So that means 99% of issues are not for, for children to, to be told and shared because it's not going to help the child in any way to know that dad's an alcoholic and mom had an affair and all the other drama that that we go through when relationships break up. It's it's not part of what the children need to know. They need to know that that they're loved and valued by both parents and that they can love and value both of their parents. And that's the most important thing. So you want to tell children what you need to tell them and a lot of the times you could just say, this is very complicated. This is adult. It had to do with our relationship. We were married for X number of years. Um, we, we are not seeing eye to eye. We don't get along in certain ways. 
you may have experienced the hearing us fighting in conflict and we realize that that's not good for any of us. And so we've decided life will be better for everyone in the family. If, if you spend happy time in mom's house when you're with mom, happy times in dad's house when you're with dad or whoever the parents are and, and keep it simple and direct. You don't want to lie, but you don't want to be telling, sharing adult information with children because they can't comprehend it and they can't fix it. And it, the minute children are experiencing adult issues, it robs them of their childhood innocence. Suddenly their minds are going into a place that adults are thinking about and they are no longer innocent children. Now, now they're your, your therapists, your, your friends and colleagues. And that's not a place you want your children to be. You need to be parenting them. So you don't want to share and make it more complicated then it has to be. You keep it on the simplest level. The important thing is the security and the foundation and, and letting them know that things are going to work out okay. And there's, there's key messages that we always want to share with children. One is you are not to blame. You, no matter what is going on, even if the parents are fighting about the children, it's never the children's fault. So we have to remind our children repeatedly before, during, and long after the divorce, that none of this is their fault. Because children will innately start to feel, maybe if I got better grades in school, if I wasn't fighting with my brother, right. if I didn't do that last week, maybe that's why my parents are getting a divorce. They, they're looking at it from their perspective, which is much more simplified, and they, they can't grasp what really is going on. So we have to remind them that they're innocent. We, we want to tell them that this is about change and not about blame. So it's very important to focus on the fact that everything in life changes and that we change grades in school, we change hairstyles, we change friends, we change sports and teams and, and so many things change. This is a change in the form of our family, but we will always be a family. And that's so comforting for a child to hear. The, the form is changing, but we will remain a family. Mom and dad will always be your mom and dad or whoever the parents are. And we will always love you. Those two points can't be repeated often enough. So parent, so the children grasp that they get that because that's the biggest fear and insecurity is losing one or both of their parents. Will, will my mom divorce me if I'm not a good girl in, in two years? All of those things go through children's heads. So they need to be reassured again and again. And we have to remind them that things are going to be okay, that we are working on it, that we as your parents are talking about this and we are working on making things better. So life right now may be very confusing and frightening and insecure, but it's going to get better and better and better. And that's why we are, we've decided to do the things we're doing to, to create a better, happier outcome. So with, with those reassurances, the children have something to hold on to. They don't feel their life is falling apart. They have the security of knowing that both of their parents are going to still be their parents. No one is going to replace their parents in their lives and that there's something ahead to look forward to. And that foundation alone is going to help the children accept and adapt to changes and the differences that are going to happen. Okay, so two things within that that I, that I want to point out because it was great. Change. I have not yet heard anybody talk about 
and use the word change in a positive way. So when parents get the right help for themselves so that they can actually say what you just said calmly, confidently, uh, yes, that comes from having a support system. You're able to be the person you just described when you have a really good support system. The fact that there's change happening all around the children, I like the fact that you're addressing it. Because it's there. It's change. And change doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world handled properly. When we remind the children of that, they see it in a different perspective. This isn't, oh, my God, all of this is changing in our lives. Our family is changing in the form, but we're still a family. And change is inevitable in life. You're going to change grades in school. The seasons are going to change. Your hairstyle is going to change. These are things that kids can understand. So when they understand that change is just part of life, this is a change that we are going through in the form of our family. But what matters doesn't change. Your parents will still be your parents. Your parents will still love you till the end of time. And that is a reassurance that provides a great deal of security and and a foundation of, of strength that I can, I can get through this because it isn't the worst thing in the world. So, and when both parents, that's the key, whenever possible, to get both parents saying the same thing in, in alignment with one another, there's a reassurance in that. My parents may not be getting along well, and there may be conflict and fighting around the home, but they're both telling me similar messages and the agreement about that is is a huge sense of security. So the parents are providing security in the conversation. And I have a book that suggests using a storybook with family photos, as well as the the messages that we were talking about. And when you combine them, we give children a sense that there was a past, there is a present, and there's going to be a future. And that future is going to be brighter than the, than the, the present moment right now. And that's comforting, reassuring, something to look forward to. Because, and I have learned this from listening to other kids talk or listening to adult children of divorce talk about when they were kids. And one of the things I found very interesting, even from an age three and four, a person who was age three or four when the divorce was happening, and that was, okay, so having two homes, having a change in the family structure wasn't our first choice, but if they're living in a household that has lots of fighting, the calm and the and and the peace, the sound of the home, They want that peace. So although you may be feeling guilty, parents, that you're destroying your children's lives, oh my God, how are they going to get over this? They will, as you just described, they will. But bear in mind, the home that you're providing for them now, if um, if there's a lot of disruption in it, that's not good either. So I'm trying to say this to remove the guilt, maybe. Yes. The yes, parents feeling. You're making such an important point. And Judith, about half the children, when they hear about the divorce, actually are relieved because if they're living with tension and conflict, 
then they're actually, some of them will say it's about time. And I've heard many clients tell me this afterwards that the children say it's about time. So it's, it's not always the worst thing in the world for children. And it's very important for parents to understand this again from the child's perspective, because what the children want is peace. And I'll tell you a story from my own, my own life. When I, my son was 11 years old when, when we were divorcing and my ex was very upset because he didn't want, I initiated the divorce after years and years of putting it off and putting it off. And he was very angry. And he constantly said to me, you're destroying our family. You're going to destroy our child. And of course, that guilt kept me from making the decision. Finally, we we did. And I moved out of the house because he was never going to leave. So I did the thing that a lot of the men do. But I packed, found another place to live close by in the neighborhood so my son could still go to the same school. And I moved out. And we were... I was packing up some things one day after my son already knew about the divorce and we started, dad and I started fighting and my son started crying 11 years old. And my, and my, his father said, see, look what you're doing. You're, you're destroying our, our family. And my son stopped crying and he said, daddy, I'm not crying because of the divorce. I'm crying because you're fighting. Stop fighting. And to his credit, my ex got that. We never fought around him again. He stopped having the tension headaches. My son stopped having the tension headaches he was having. And we moved on and created, we didn't know how, but we created a child-centered divorce because the one thing I knew is that my ex loved my son as much as I loved him. And we had that, that connection. And that connection alone can, can save everyone in the family because when you're focused on the children, you just make better decisions. But my son was very clear in saying, I'm fighting, I'm crying because you're fighting. It's not the divorce itself. Yeah. Because for, for a lot of children, the, the relief of getting away from that fighting is, is, is really a joy. It's a pleasure to have some peace of mind. It's, yes, I, it's so happy that we touched upon this because I don't talk about it it doesn't come up that much in these interviews about children, but I'm really happy that it did because, yes, you're doing your kids a favor in, at some, in some instances uh, by changing the whole tone of their lives by your divorce. And this, this can be in a good way. Um, parental alienation. I wanted to leave this topic of how to focus on the children and make sure the children feel secure and safe by talking about the the negative result if you don't. And that's this issue called parental alienation. Would you please define that first? Yes. That's when one parent either poisons the other children's the children's minds about the the other parent to the degree where the children either dislike or hate the other parent because they're, they're listening so much to what one parent is saying, or they are not allowed to, to experience and spend time with the other parent. So either they are forced not to be with the other parent or they're, they are, um, turned against the other parent. Either way, it, 
one parent feels so self-righteous about how much better they are as a parent and how toxic the other parent is that the kids lose access to that parent. And it's divorce gone wrong on the most dramatic way. It is so painful and it's extremely painful for the parent, no matter how bad a parent they may be, if they really do love their children. And there's always a small percentage of people who don't apply to any of the things we've been saying because they really are toxic people, but that's a small percentage. So most parents are devastated by losing access to their children. And many children don't know how devastated they are until they're grown adults and realize that that they have been cut off from a relationship with a parent that they might have had a good relationship with had, had they not been brainwashed against that parent. So it it creates pain and sorrow and turmoil and wasted years and years. And it's it's very, very unfair. We can have conversations with our children about things that one parent did. And we have to keep in mind that the way we're hurt by that parent is not the same way that our children are hurt. Right. And so that that parent may be not may not be as responsible as that as we would want them to be. And we, we may be angry at them about money issues or emotional issues, et cetera. But for the child, that's that's my mother, that's my father. I want to spend time, I want to see them, I want to be with them. And and that's what they're looking for. So it's something that we should never do. And we have to be very mindful because there are subtle ways of alienating children. Most people aren't doing it in the dramatic 100% way where we cut relationships off. But when you're rolling your eyes, when you're making sarcastic comments, when you're talking on the phone to your friend or or neighbor and and you um, make statements about the other parent, as long as the kids can hear it or privy to it or are understanding what's going on, it hurts them because most children innately love both parents. They yes. have a connection and attachment to both parents. And so seeing you badmouth, dismiss, um, and, and um, talk negatively about the other parent in any way, in voice, in action, in, in comments, in behaviors, it, it hurts the children. And they don't always have the way of expressing that to you and tell that to you. So it it's a wound. And when we speak to adult children of divorce, there are many books, there's many videos, there's there's many uh, research studies. These these children who gr- are grown adults are wounded for life. It becomes a lifelong emotional wound having these experiences where they ha- haven't had access or they felt that that the relationship with the other parent was was not appreciated and valued and they they had to tip tippy toe in in spending time with the other parent so that's where we want to be mindful ourselves about we may have certain feelings about our ex but that doesn't mean our children have to have the same feelings about that person and there's two things that I want to stress that's the most important gifts you can give your children and that is the gift of being able to love both parents and the gift of being able to be loved by both parents. And divorce is, a, is an instance where it's very easy for one parent to say, I don't want you to love that other parent. I don't want you to, to feel love from that other parent. 
And we can get so self-righteous that we feel we're doing, we justify it. And we feel we're doing something on behalf of the children when basically we're being very selfish and our children are, are really being hurt. Well, yes. And there's an indirect way without actually talking negatively about the other parent. And that is if you don't get help, the right help. Um, if you're constantly crying and always in distress, a child will step up and alienate the other parent on their own, thinking they're protecting the parent who's emo- more emotionally distraught. That to me is so important. Uh, one of the reasons why you, you absolutely have to get help if you are emotionally torn apart by this, uh, divorce because you don't even know the, the silent ways, so to speak, that you're turning your child against the other parent or strangely enough, the child could be turned against you and not want to be around you and want to be with the other parent. Now they're going to alienate you because it's too much for them to deal with. Yes. Is that a reality that you all look at as those well? Things are, I'm so glad you mentioned them. They, they all fit into the equation. Guilt, guilting children, blaming judgments, all of those things play a part in, in affecting the relationship roles and put an emotional burden on children. Children, if they're made to feel guilty for loving the other parent around you, they may have permission to see the other parent, but they could tell that that they can't say anything nice that happened in the other parent's house because they're going to be faced with the behavior that, that you're demonstrating, showing them how you disrespect and dislike that other parent. All of those things are very subtle and they and they take a toll on our kids. That's where the emotional burden comes in. And I always remind clients, it's not divorce per se that scars children. It's how parents handle the divorce. It's not the divorce. It's the way the parents go about the divorce. And that's why we are here to, to grab parents as early on as possible and let them understand the consequences of every move and every decision they make. Because there are consequences. And if, if you make any of these mistakes, even without understanding them fully, your kids are paying the price. And we don't need children to be paying a higher price when, when divorce is, is an experience in their life. It's, it's hard enough just as it is when it's handled perfectly, let alone to be adding these layers and layers of emotional turmoil and psychological craziness. So we never want our children to be parenting our us as parents. So we, we never allow them to be our confidants. Yes. We don't turn into, to, um, the therapists. We, we want, we don't want our kids to be our therapists. We don't want them to have that burden because when they're parenting us, they are no longer being children. And our kids at the very least deserve the ability to be, be children and have a childhood because they're, they're going to inevitably grow up and spend the rest of their life dealing with the consequences and, and the, the wounds that were inflicted on them from that experience. Um, I want to end with the co-parenting schedules and how they're arrived at, along with 
possibly a difference in co-parenting styles. So let's tackle the co-parenting schedules. I hear everything from every other day, which Rosalind, I can't imagine a child wants every other day to be at another house, but I could be wrong, to a two, two, three schedule to an alternating week schedule. How do you deal with uh, how do you work with parents choosing the right co-parenting schedule for their family? Personally, I feel it's very important to adapt that schedule to that family's reality as naturally and comfortably as possible. And I agree with you, alternating every other day is very unlikely to be an, e- an easy system to work with. So th- there are other options, and in some families, longer spans, like a week or even more than a week, uh, and then and then the the break works fine for many of them. The the two two three uh, r- arrangements work fine. But the important thing is to be flexible enough to adapt it to your lifestyle schedule. What are the parents' jobs and work schedules and availability? and the children's activities, and and then move it around, even if it's different on different days of, of the month. Now, that isn't done usually in, in the legal parameters of the divorce. Usually we, ha- we, we have a very clear-cut system in the parenting plan, but for parents who are child-centered, you can adapt things that to work to your schedule. So if the third week of the month is a little different because of someone's schedule, then then you could shift it and do it differently then. The important thing is that you're co-parenting, that you're both seeing it, understanding it, agreeing about it. It fits for the children and the children know what they're doing and that life moves on as smoothly as possible. So I like to really get both parents actively involved the kids' schedules actively involved and come up with something that just works for, for your family because we want to get the courts out of the system. We don't want people going back every six months and making shifts and changes to parenting plans and dealing with, with legalities. But wait a minute, wait a minute. You have one of the most creative approaches I have ever heard that you used in your own family, can you please share that? I've never heard anybody say what you told me yeah, a well, week or two ago. Once we worked it out that my son got off the school bus at this address or he got off the school bus at that address, then we just, every Sunday night, I would pick up the phone, talk to dad, and I would say, you know, I'm I'm free Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but I, I have a, a meeting on Thursday and I have a date on, on Friday night. So, um, let's, we'll alternate. You'll, you'll have the weekend and you'll date on, on Saturday or Friday. And, and, but next week on, on Monday, I'm not available. So what if you take Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday? We just moved it and shifted around every week. And my son just knew to get off the school bus that day at this house or that house. I'm sure he would have preferred if it, it was simpler, but it didn't make a huge difference for him. As a matter of fact, in the, uh, sixth grade at the end of the school year, he, at the beginning of the fifth grade is, is when, um, we got the divorce and his teacher at the graduation of the sixth grade came up to me in June and said, I understand that you had a, a divorce. Oh, it was the same year earlier this year. 
and your son didn't skip a beat. He's still a straight A student in school. I had no idea because most, most kids really, you could see the difference in them in, in, in yeah. their school grades when a divorce happens that year. That to me was the greatest blessing to hear that from a teacher, but it meant that he was able to adapt because we were flexible. And if he left his book at, at one house, he could, we could bring it to the other house. We just worked around making life as simple for him as we could. And yet uh, dealing with the fact that sometimes one parent has a more skittish schedule than the other. Was that and yours? Is, yes, it was, it was mine. Yeah. And um, yes, I, I had. But hold on. I love the fact that dad was open to being flexible. And you said that it didn't start so well at the beginning with your divorce. But at the end, it was better. And you were both cooperative with one another. Very quickly, we learned that cooperating makes the most sense, that we were there. We were a family. And cooperating as a family just made everything run smoother and that you need to do favors for one another, especially when we both started dating. So Mm -hmm. we would alternate Saturday nights and Friday nights and and different things like that. And if one of us had an occasion or or I had a lot of I was doing a lot of professional speaking at the time. So I was traveling and there was a lot going on and we just adapted and it wasn't that big a deal because dad was a good dad and it didn't matter what day of the week he was being a good dad. And and of course, I was there to accommodate him. And we just made sure we had our lives working smoothly together. We sat on the bleachers near each other or together when we went to my son's baseball games and the other sports. We were at all the graduations and all the events. That's when I picked up the fact of how crazy it would be. If parents weren't able to be in the same room and celebrate this, the same occasions together and yeah. how traumatic it is for children to have to be worried about one of their parents or both misbehaving around each other at an occasion. How embarrassing, how awkward, how selfish that is. Absolutely. And so we, we took pride in the fact that we could be civil and we could get along. And we, we ultimately became friendly again because we realized that there, there was no need for us to be at ends with each other. We were all in this together, and our son was the foundation. That was the point. Otherwise, we, we would never have seen each other again. But with our son, this was a lifelong endeavor, and we're both grandparents now. And I see my, my ex at wonderful holiday occasions, and we're, we're happy to see one another because we love that child. Uh, now, lastly, when you have different parenting styles, this can be a huge bone of contention after the divorce is final and continue the friction. How do you address different parenting styles? That's a very important question, and it's inevitable. So we can't micromanage one another's homes. We are now living separately, and that's why we're divorced. We have to pick our battles. So there are certain things that we could discuss early on and say, I, you know, I will never allow this to happen or that to happen. And the rest of it, we we have some flexibility about. So the foods are not going to be the same. And you, you may have differences 
in disciplinary uh, behaviors and sleeping schedules and all of those things may be different in the two houses. And unless the child is really showing signs of of stress or, or health problems or something else, then we have to be mindful of respecting the fact they can adapt to the changes and the differences. And they know I can't say that in mom's house. I can't do that in dad's house. We don't eat that in mom's house. We don't go there in dad's house, whatever it is. They adapt and they get along fine unless the parents make it an issue. So so be respectful of one another's differences and watch your children. I, and I, not compete. I'm, I'm yes. sorry to interrupt. Uh, only yes. we're running out of time. But don't compete with one another about parenting styles. Nobody has to be the fun parent versus the disciplinarian parent. You need to be who you are and provide the values to your children that you think are important and not judge yourself against the other parent. Is that what you're saying, Rosalind? Well well said. Absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. Yeah. That just, if, can we finish with why it becomes a competition? We, we, we compete because we feel that we're trying to win brownie points with the kids. And the, the kids aren't judging us necessarily. We, we are getting into a competition because we feel we have to show that we're the best parent. And of course, the kids very often will respect a lot of things about both parents. They pick up things from both parents and neither one is usually a hundred percent right or wrong according to the kids. And so we, we want to be very mindful of not competing, creating jealousies and competitions in any of it. And especially when we move into dating and relationships, that's, that's a whole other area of discussion because it, yeah. it, kids, kids get caught in, in the middle of that. And we don't want our kids to feel that they're competing with a new love interest in our life. So competition and jealousy is a natural part of relationships. It happens. And we have to be our most mature adult selves when we're dealing with all of these things. And, and as you said, honor ourselves because our values are our values and we don't, it's not a matter of right or wrong. Kid, our kids are watching and learning and they could see that there aren't necessarily black and white ways of doing everything. Life is usually filled with shades of gray and the differences between the families are a way for the, for our children to understand just like political differences and other differences in our, in our society, in our world. These are differences that can be adapted to and we can make decisions about what, when we grow up, how we're going to be doing things. But it, we have to be as understanding and accepting of, of personality differences and different parenting styles as possible. And it's a learning experience. And that's why coaching plays a big part in supporting right. parents and children every step of the way. And as long as your child is not being hurt by a parenting style, the grades aren't going down, they're not um, physically unhealthy, um, let it be. Yeah. Just let it be. Let the kids be in reaction to the parenting style. Because I think kids will say, okay, I want to go to bed now instead of staying up till 11. They actually do get tired eventually. What did somebody say? Um, if you, it, rather than criticize the other parents 
uh, bedtime, for instance, that, that they let the child go to bed too late, just say, how did you feel in school today? You know, just let the child say how they are. And if they're fine, okay. So two different parenting styles. Rosalind, thank you so very much. I really appreciated everything that you brought forward today. And yes, let's get together again and let's talk about dating and uh, blended families and how this works because it's a whole, uh, that's a whole uh, topic unto itself, is it not? And Judith, can I just remind people that I have a free ebook right on the homepage? Oh, yes. I was going to ask you next about anything you want to end with in in terms of your contact information. So all my information is at childcenteredivorce.com. That's centered with an E-D, childcenteredivorce.com. And on the homepage, I have a free ebook on post-divorce parenting, success strategies for getting it right that you could um, get at instant download. And I have a lot of information, resources, courses, and programs that are available for people who can't afford coaching or want to supplement after coaching. And then I have coaching programs that are available, one-on-one coaching that I do nationally and internationally with uh, parents all all over the world to help them make the best decisions before, during, and long, long after divorce. Thank you. You are chock full of exceptional information. And thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great education. I appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody else who listens. I hope this was beneficial to you. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. This is an enormous topic and one of the most important ones when we're dealing with children. If you have any comments that you would like to provide about this episode or any, if you would like to raise a topic that you would like me to explore, please do so through my website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com, theamicabledivorceexpert.com expert.com and as always have an amicable day that's our show for today thank you for joining us be good to yourselves be kind to your spouse and cherish your children above all else 